Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on everything silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast. Brought to you by SportsNot.com. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote. Raider Nation, let's go. I'm Evan Grote. Welcome to Just Pod, baby, on this Victory Monday. Two Victory Mondays in a row now. Have not been able to say that too many times this year. Just Pod Baby is brought to you by SportsNot.com. Please check out the website if you have not yet already. I'm working on a few video segments this week for you, so stay tuned for more on that. Give me a follow over on Twitter at egrope 5 and make sure you are subscribing to the podcast. Make sure you click that subscribe button right now, in fact, if you have not yet done so. I was away from the show for a week, week and a half. I'm back now. Had a birthday last week as well as Thanksgiving, so I just wanted to take a little bit of time for myself, and it, and it's been even longer than that since I've gotten a recap show out for you. Uh, ever since I started working with sports, not just haven't had a haven't had the, the the free time that I had prior to that. But I did find myself with a few minutes this evening, and I also have a few thoughts and takeaways from Sunday's thrilling overtime win at Seattle. So here we are. I'm here to share those thoughts with you. So let's dive right into it right now. This is going to be a a quick recap. No guests this week, just you and I. We're going to go straight through with no break. That's two consecutive overtime thrilling wins for the Raiders. Uh, Victorious on both ends. Devontae Adams caught the walk-off touchdown uh, at Denver. And then it was Josh Jacobs this past week with the 86-yard run through the middle of the Seahawks defense. And as the game went on, and the points continued to pile up for both teams, it just had the feel of one of those games that you knew it was going to come down to whichever team had the ball last. That's the team that was going to win. That's kind of how it played out here. Neither defense was great in the game, but uh, in the case of the Raiders' defense, they did some things this week that uh, they have not done most of this season, and that was get a couple of turnovers and someone other than Max Crosby was a little bit disruptive uh, on the defensive line, and, and they helped get some pressure on Geno Smith. And although the defense did allow the 34 points, they made some timely plays, which uh, you know can be huge factors in games like this. And and, and so um, I want to point out some of the things I thought they did well. I want to I want to start with two of the bigger stops that the defense made during the game following the Raiders' touchdown which tied the game up at 34. The defense forced a punt on the Seahawks' ensuing possession. It was five plays capped off by Max Crosby's. Uh, It was a third down and 10. He beat the right tackle off the edge, um, got the sack. That was a huge stop by the defense. Um, It prevented the the, the Seahawks from, you know, having any chance of of driving down the field and and kicking a a game-winning field goal. Of course, the game then goes to overtime. Um, after Daniel Carlson missed that 56-yarder in overtime on the Raiders' first possession, which, again, the defense got a stop um, on on the Seahawks' first possession. Or, excuse me, I think I had that wrong. I think the Raiders got the ball first in overtime, if I'm not mistaken. Anyhow, 
Um, that was a tough spot that the defense was put into because the Seahawks got the ball back following the missed field goal on their own 46-yard line. And that puts a lot of pressure on a defense because, you know, you, you, you give up, what, 20 yards? And, and they're, they're, I mean, not 20, maybe 25, 30 yards, and, and now the uh, Seahawks are, are, are in field goal range. So that was a tough spot for the defense, but give credit to them. Um, they made a play, forced the three and out, um, and, and then the rest was history. As you know, Josh Jacobs, 86 yards later. Um, I've said it plenty of times on this show how bad the defense has been. I think it's been, uh, they've been criticized plenty through the fan base, through social media and whatnot. But um, they didn't disappoint yesterday. I mean, it wasn't always pretty, but they showed up on Sunday, made some plays, made just enough plays to uh, help the offense win the game. Now, there was a couple individual performances that I want to point out. I thought Trayvon Merrick, you know, I mean, he wasn't stellar by any means, but I think it was a step in the right direction for him. I thought he made a couple plays early in the game, especially a couple pass breakups. Denzel Perryman continues to uh, get better and better. Uh, We're seeing a little bit more from him, more of what we saw last year from him in his uh, Pro Bowl caliber season that he had last year. He's really showing up plenty in run defense, setting the tone for the defense as he has done so well uh, last year. And speaking of run defense, 26 yards on 14 carries for Kenneth Walker, the outstanding rookie for the Seahawks, and only 65 yards as a team for the Seahawks. That's an excellent job right there by the by the Raiders defense. They forced the the Seahawks to become one-dimensional, and they put Geno Smith in a position where he had to beat them. He was not able to do so on Sunday. So got to give credit to the defense. I also want to give credit to the interior part of the defensive line. Bilal Nichols, free agent who has been uh, largely a disappointment to this point. Andrew Billings, another free agent signing who has you know not really done a whole lot. They both made plays throughout this game. Billings stuffed the run on a couple of occasions, had a sack, um, and and Bilal Nichols, much of the same. And I tell you what, this defense, things look a, a lot different when they're getting some production from the inside. We know the attention that's that's given to Max Crosby. Uh, we know that um, although the numbers are down for Chandler Jones, he still carries a lot of name recognition, and I think teams are always aware of him as well. It's, it comes down to the interior part of that defense. I've talked about it a lot. They made life a lot easier yesterday for Max Crosby. And and speaking of Max Crosby, I mean, how great was he? He was great against Denver. He was great again against Seattle. I mean, he has to be... Um, he has to win player of the year, defensive player of the year. I mean, I I, I know I'm biased, but uh, what a season he is putting together. Ten and a half sacks right now with six games remaining. He may get 13 to, you know, 13 to 15 sacks this year, which would be a, a career high for him. And what in the world are the Seahawks doing on that third and 10 play there? Uh, um, not not giving that right tackle any help. I mean, not a chip, not an extra tight end, nothing. They put that they put that right tackle out there on an island by himself, and and you know that was a head scratcher to me. Obviously, Max Crosby's going to win that one to one matchup. So kudos to the defense. Um, you did your part this week. I want to jump over to the offense now to give you some of my my take uh, takeaways fr- from them. Um, it was the Josh Jacobs show once again. 
spectacular is 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 the way to describe it. 300 yards of total offense from Jacobs. I mean, he was outstanding in the game. 228 yards on the ground on 33 carries. That is a career high for him, carries-wise. And he he held up just, just fine. Looked just as good on the last carry uh, as he did on the first carry. Uh, the, the guy just does not tire out. It, it's really something to see. It's really something to watch. And uh, it, he just looked strong throughout the entire game. Not only did he have the 228 yards on the ground, which was a career high from him, he also led the team in receiving yards, which kind of flew under the radar to me. I, I, to be honest, I didn't really know that until I checked out the box scores. I mean, I know he had some catches, but to me, it didn't seem like you know he was leading the team. 74 yards on six grabs, and then of course he had the two rushing touchdowns, the big one coming in overtime, the walk-off 86-yarder. It's hard to believe, thinking back, um, on this game that he was actually a game time decision. He tweaked that calf uh, muscle in the walkthrough um, just a couple days before the game. Maybe it wasn't the walkthrough, but one of the practices leading up to the game, he was injured and he was limited. He was listed as questionable for the game. He sure didn't look questionable. He looked he looked just fine. Um, his And I thought, you know, talking about Jacobs, his performance, I thought, really overshadowed what was a, a pretty good day by Derek Carr as well, if I'm being honest, which, um, you know, minus the two interceptions, which I thought, um, you know, th- th- one of them was a bad throw and then the other one was just a bad decision. Um, they happened early in the game and, and Carr was able to overcome those mistakes um, and keep his team in the game with a, with some help from the defense, as I previously mentioned. But Carr had himself a nice day as well. Um, end of the day, 25 of 36, pretty efficient there, 295 yards um, and three touchdowns. And, and and that's the first time that he has thrown for three touchdowns in a long time. Um, so that was good to see from Derek Carr. He's really starting to look more comfortable, in my opinion. Looks to be more in command of the offense. And again, this is something that I talked a lot about um, I stopped talking about it after the team, you know, I think after week six or seven, but I said it many times that I thought things could take a while to get going. I, I you know, I've also pointed out the fact that it didn't take as long for teams like Miami and the Giants and some of these other teams that the Vikings with new head coaches and new coordinators, but for some reason it's taken more time for the Raiders but I put that out there, and and I think now maybe you're starting to see them turn the corner a bit here offensively. So I uh, wanted to give Derek Carr his props after a, a nice game as well. But getting back to Josh Jacobs, um, it's a perfect storm of events right now for Josh Jacobs. It's really just it, it's fascinating. I, I can't I can't say it enough. The fifth year option declined um, at the beginning of the season. He then enters the season on the on essentially a one year kind of prove it. I guess you could call it. Um, and he's taking full advantage of it. He's taking full advantage of that opportunity to um, showcase what he can do here to, to you know, get himself that, that huge contract that I'm sure he wants. He leads the NFL in rushing right now, 1,159 yards. He's fourth in touchdowns with nine. And he's getting it done in the passing game, as I said, with um, – with 40 catches right now on the season, 325 yards. I had to go back and look to see what his career highs were. Um, his career high in receptions is 54, and his career high in yardage is 348. So, you know, with six games left, you, you imagine he'll get, uh, you know, at least 14 more receptions. 
and he's already topped. Um, I'm sorry, he's gonna he he needs what another 28 yards to to um get to the career high in receiving yards. So 14 more catches and uh, 28 more yards to break career highs as a receiver. He's already topped his his previous career high and rushing total. So he is absolutely having a career year here and and what a time for it. And and I've said it before. We've talked about it here on the show and and I also tweeted it out uh again during the game yesterday. Some of you took uh offense to what I said, not offense, but some of you had a problem with what I said and and again, I have no issues with that. Uh, sometimes I put those thoughts out there just to see, you know, where everyone else's mindset is at. But Josh Jacobs is putting Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels in an absolutely <laughs> difficult decision, a really, really tough spot he's putting them in. Now, as I also said, it's a good problem to have. These are these are good problems to have. Um, but I believe this will be the number one topic this offseason. And the question is, pay Josh Jacobs or not pay Josh Jacobs? <laughs> that is the question. And, you know, sitting here today, looking back on the game that he had on Sunday, looking at the season that he has had, most people would, would call you crazy if you suggested to them not bringing him back. And and I would fully agree with that. Um, but I just don't think it's as easy as that. There's a lot of factors involved. So um, I'll try to explain uh, my thought process on that, and I'll, and I'll give you my take on all of it. You know, I went ahead and I looked at the top five running back contracts in the league right now. You've got Christian McCaffrey, uh, $16 million, Elvin Kamara, $15 million, Zeke Elliott, $15 million, Delvin Cook, $12.6 million, and then Derrick Henry is the fifth highest paid running back in the NFL, making $12.5 million a year. So you tell me, what is Josh Jacobs and his agent going to be seeking um, when they try to negotiate a new deal, okay? He's going to, most likely, you know, if, if things continue to trend in this direction, he's going to end up as a top three or four rusher in the league this year. He's probably going to end top five in touchdowns. He's going to outproduce uh, at least two of these guys on this list, McCaffrey. He's going to outproduce Zeke Elliott. Um, I mean, he's outproducing a lot of these guys right now. So at the end of the season... If he's out producing these guys, you don't think he's going to try to capitalize on that and get that huge payday coming off that huge once in a lifetime season? I mean, this is this is this is an all-pro type season he's having right now. This could be his one chance to cash in on a monster deal. And so to me, I think 12 million is where the conversation starts. And and I don't blame Josh Jacobs whatsoever. He's earned it. He's put in the the effort, the time. He's he's he deserves the right to negotiate for as much as he possibly can get. So I have no problem with a player getting paid, and I hope he does. If it's not the Raiders, I hope someone will pay him. And I, in fact, I know someone will pay him. Now there are some other options that the Raiders have with Jacobs. They have the franchise tag, the transitional tag. I've seen some players talk about a trade and whatnot. You know, I haven't really looked into that too much. Um, but looking at the franchise tag, the way that works is that you take the average of the top five 
salaries at the position, which I just mentioned to you what they are, or, and I didn't even know this until I looked it up because I wasn't quite aware of this, by calculating 120% of the current of the player's current salary. So whichever number is higher is what that player will earn, okay? Now, I just told you the top five salaries, which players are getting those salaries and, and what those salaries are. That's an average of $14.2 million should they go the franchise uh, tag route, which is more of a short-term option. It gives you a little bit more time to negotiate. I think that's obviously an expensive option as well. So I don't know if that's the most attractive option. I also think it's not fair to the player. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say it's not fair to the player. He's going to earn $14 million should he get tagged. But if they truly care about the player, um, which I I do believe they do, I, I just generally don't like to see that option used. Um, I, I think if you're looking at having to pay Josh Jacobs upwards of, of $12 million, I just don't know if that's the best course of action. And again, I know it's hard to sit here and and to make that statement right now based on what he has done. Um, and, and I believe that if it wasn't for Josh Jacobs, this team might not have a win, period. They may have one win, uh, but he is certainly the most valuable player on this team right now. He's carried them. I know Adams has been really good. I know Carr has done some good things uh, at, at, at times. But without Josh Jacobs, this team might have only one win. So I understand that you might be sitting there calling me, you know, <laughs> foolish. Um, but, but there's there's a couple reasons why I feel this way, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna explain it to you. The first is there's a number of examples of of teams out there that have paid running backs and haven't gotten the return on the investment. I just named some of those top five uh, highest paid running backs in the NFL. Look at McCaffrey. Look at Zeke Elliott. I mean, CMC is still a, a very good player, don't get me wrong, but he has missed a ton of games, um, not this year, but the year before, uh, the last two years prior to this year. He's missed nearly the entire season, and sometimes that's how it happens with these running backs. Zeke Elliott, he isn't even the best running back on the Cowboys roster anymore. You know, and these guys are 26, 27 years old. It's not like they're 30 years old. It's a violent position. There's a lot of wear and tear in the body. And for many of these running backs, it falls off a cliff fast for them. We have seen many teams, many franchises go away from paying the running back position, top dollar, going away from using premium draft picks on the position, instead opting to use running backs, you know, waiting to draft a running back in the third or fourth round, you know, using a committee. And we've seen franchises have success with this. I thought, many of us thought, in fact, thought that would be the case with the Raiders this year. We, we thought maybe we'd see more of a committee. They used their fourth-round draft pick on Zamir White. That has not been the case. Jacobs has has been the workhorse, uh, no doubt about it. I don't see that changing um, anytime soon this season. Also, Josh Jacobs is 24 years old, uh, which is you know young, don't get me wrong. But he's had some injuries, not riddled with injuries. You know, his career hasn't been riddled with injuries. But in years, you know, in ages 22 or, or 21, 22, and 23, those seasons, he did miss six games. Um, he's now 24. He's been perfectly healthy this year. Hasn't been uh, an issue. But I think as you get into those 26, 27 age seasons, you just don't bounce back 
from these injuries the way you did when you were 22 or 23. And he has battled some injuries, maybe where he didn't miss the game, but he wasn't 100%. And I know that's a positive is that you have a player who's trying to play through injury, but if you're not playing at 100%, which I know none of these guys do, um, but you know, if he's not at his best often, that's, that's not going to help things, but just another, you know, something to think about. Um, but I, I think ultimately the number one reason why I could see the Raiders deciding not to bring back Jacobs, it simply comes down to a numbers game. You can only invest so much money into one side of the football. Now, between the money going to Waller and Renfro and Adams and Carr, that's a lot of money. And keep in mind, Derek Carr's salary right now is still a bargain, really, by by quarterback standards. $19 million Derek Carr is getting. I don't know where that ranks him on the list of quarterbacks. He probably has to fall outside the top 12, I would imagine, if I was to look it up. Um. But next year, that contract jumps to $34 million. That's a $15 million jump. That's significant to the cap. And so when you have so much money already tied up in those four players, um, you know how much more money can you afford to de- dedicate to the offense with the help that is needed on the offensive line, with the amount of holes that need to be filled on the defense? Is that a wise move? That's what I think the decision ultimately comes down to more than anything. It's it's nothing about the player. Um, it's more so about where should the money be spent. Now, I don't have the information here in front of me, but I, I correct me if I'm wrong. The salary cap is expected to jump again next year. I'm pretty sure this year it's at $208 million. Um, and I, and I, I swore that I read somewhere that it's going to go up to like $220 million in 2023. Don't quote me on that number, but, but, you know, I, I do, I do expect it to rise again. So that is another thing that you have to consider as well. So there's just, there's a lot to to consider as I've, I've laid out for you here. Um, it's just so interesting in, in, in my opinion, to see this all playing out here before us to see uh, Jacobs have that option declined and then to see him, how he's, he's dealt with it, how he's reacted to it proving uh, the head coach and the general manager wrong at this point. So it, it really is just, it, it's, it's, I like to see that. I like when players um, prove people wrong. I, I told you guys before, I'm a Yankees fan. Uh, you look at Aaron Judge this year. He was offered a contract by the Yankees. He turned it down. He bet on himself and he went out there and had a career year. Uh, very similar to what you're seeing here with Josh Jacobs. I mean, what a time to have a career year. Aaron Judge is going to cash in on it, and I believe Josh Jacobs will cash on it, cash in on it as well. It's just a matter of who will that money uh, be coming from. There is one more thing that I want to add to this conversation. Did anyone hear the comments made by Josh McDaniels on Monday in his post, not his post game, but his Monday uh press conference where he recaps the game. If you did not hear the comments, I have them here for you. Let's take a listen to what he had to say about Josh Jacobs right now. Yeah, a lot. Um, You know, he cares about winning. He's very unselfish. Um, He'll do whatever we ask him to do. Um, Like I said, I've said this many times, he practices great. Uh, Most, I would say this, 
the great players that I've been around, you know, they're they're that way for a reason, and they love football. Um, they study it. They prepare hard. They practice like they're playing, um, and they're durable. They're out there every day. Um, they're available for their team, and I mean, that's what that's what this guy is, you know. And he's tough as they come. Uh, takes a lot of hits. Keep keeps coming. Plays his best in the second half, uh, almost almost every week. Um, so there's, like I said, I'm running out of terms here, but. Um, when you describe somebody as a football player, I mean, that's what he is, um, you know, and and so uh, he knows how I feel about him. So there you heard from head coach Josh McDaniels talking about his running back there. Talk about high praise. I mean, listen, when coaches and, and the organization talks about building a culture of success and, and winning culture, you think about players that are 100% team-oriented, 100% bought in, willing to do whatever it takes to win, love the game of football, puts in the time off the field, in the meeting rooms. Um, that's what you want in the building when you're trying to build a consistent winner. And that's what McDaniels described Josh Jacobs as. So, you know, as a guy who was doing all of those things. Now, it's possible... Ziegler and McDaniels had a mindset about Jacobs when they first arrived in Vegas. But now that they've had a chance to be around him, be in the building, see how he goes about his work, they might have changed their mind on him. That is, that is all very possible. Now, to kind of put a bow on this, I'm looking at this big picture. I try not to let my opinion get swayed one way or the other based on, you know, a performance one week, you know, or, or anything that happens week to week. I'm looking at it big picture. This is his fourth year. Um, we have enough of a sample size. Um, and I know it's easier said than done when you, you know, when you're talking about the season that he's had, but to this point in his season, prior to this season, he has been a good NFL running back, but he's not been a great NFL running back. Now, this year, he's been great. He has been all pro great. Uh, I, I think even you could consider him maybe getting some MVP votes. Now, I know that, listen, the Raiders, they're 4-7, and seven, so he's not going to get MVP votes, but as far as most valuable players to their team, as I mentioned, they may not have a win without Josh Jacobs. So that that's kind of where I'm thinking with that. But anyhow, I, I think this is the ceiling for Josh Jacobs. I mean, this this is as good as he's, he can get. I, I, can he get better? I don't know. I mean, he, he's, he's absolutely doing it all right now, doing it all at a high level. Um, if they decide to pay him, it will be for what he's already done not for what they believe he can still do. that, And that's in my opinion. I, I just don't think he's going to get any better than this. Now, this is excellent. Don't get me wrong. But can he do this again? Can he even do this, something close to this for two more seasons? You know, I, I don't know. That That's, that, it's hard to predict. I, I love the player. I, I love Jacobs. Um, I really do. Um, I like the kid. He's overcome a ton in his life. And he's just doing that again. He's overcoming, you know, some some adversity, some some obstacles here this year. 
But you got to keep in mind the NFL is a business. At the end of the day, it's a business. And, and that's how you have to look at it when you're evaluating you know, and predicting what you think might happen with some of these players as far as free agents and, and trades and, and, and whatnot. So I'm going to stand by what I have said all along. Uh, I said it going into the season. I said it after three, four weeks into the season. And, I, and I'm going to stay here and I may, I may fall on that sword, but I'm going to continue to say it. Um, I, I think Josh Jacobs will eventually test free agency and ultimately the Raiders will not bring him back. That's just where I stand right now. Um, I don't know if my opinion will be swayed too much because, I mean, what else can he do to this point to, um, you know, convince me that he should be brought back? I mean, he's having, as I said, he's having an all-pro type of season, and I still believe that, at least business-wise, um, I, I think they're better off. And I know it's hard to, to, to wrap your head around, but maybe not bringing Josh Jacobs back for the long term. One last thing that I wanted to get to um, before we say goodbye here on this abbreviated uh, Victory Monday recap show is is the amount of close games the Raiders have played in. I, I tweeted this out uh, today. I, it's it's unbelievable. Going back to the start of last season, this team is not for the week. If you've got heart troubles, <laughs> you should not be watching this team play on a weekly basis. Last year, you can go all the way back to week one. It started with Baltimore. They had the overtime win against Baltimore. Two weeks later, they had the overtime win against Miami, the Dallas game on Thanksgiving, and then who could forget the Cleveland game, the Denver game, the Colts game, and the Week 18 game against the Chargers. I mean, just unbelievable streak there they had going uh, successful for the most uh, most part. They did have a couple close games that they also lost last year. But this year is, is you know different in the fact that they're, haven't been able to close out a lot of those close games. They have been able to do that the last two, but so many one score games this year. I think it's, I think it's eight. I think yesterday or Sunday was the eighth, um, one score game for the Raiders. They've been able to win two of those, two of those games. Um, just, just incredible. When, when you think about how the last year and a half has gone with this team and it does show you one thing, the, about the NFL, the margin of error in the NFL is just oh so small. It is truly a game of inches. There have been so many teams and so many times um, that you know things could be looking so much differently for for teams. Their their seasons could be going in a totally different direction had they just done this or had that just happened differently. And and these games, they literally come down to one play. One play makes all the difference. And I've said it before, and I'll continue to say it. I, I, I don't think that's how you become a consistent winner. Um, you know, it, it, it shows you that, it shows me, in my opinion, that you are truly mediocre. You're you're truly an average team. If you continue to find yourself in these close games, you're not a really good team, but you're also not really that bad. You're right there. You're kind of in the middle, and it comes down to these critical moments. And oftentimes, you may come out on top, um, like we saw last year with the Raiders. But also, many times things don't go your way, and you come out on the losing end. You know, I've seen a lot of people out there say, oh, the Raiders are 
just three or four plays away from being seven and four. And that's true. That's very true. But they're also one or two plays away from being one and nine. So it's just crazy. It really crazy. It's crazy how the NFL works. But that is why, that is why the NFL is king. And that is why we love the NFL because it's so unpredictable. And as a Raiders fan, it's never a dull moment. But nonetheless, uh, those are some of my thoughts about the game, about the Raiders. Um, momentum has definitely shifted for this team. I mean, just a couple weeks ago, my last podcast, in fact, was after the Colts lost. And the headline that I put on my graphic that I tweet out was, have the Raiders hit rock bottom. <laughs> and and look how the narrative has changed just a couple weeks later. You know, now, you know, Derek Carr and the, and the offense look much more comfortable. You know, they're going to be getting Hunter Renfro back and Darren Waller back soon. You hope that doesn't disrupt things too much. You know, and that may sound strange, but they're going to, you know, the offense has started to find their way without those two in the lineup. You throw those two back into the lineup and you never know how things could change. You know, how does the ball get distributed? How all those mouths get fed? How does it affect Josh Jacobs' touches? You know, I'm just saying that that's something to think about, but it's, it's, it's amazing how the, the, the mindset has changed. You know, I see fans out there talking about 10 and seven is now an option again, maybe even a playoff berth. Now you, you're a little bit more optimistic than me, but it, it, that's, that's what a couple of wins can do for the mindset. Not only the fan base, imagine the mindset in the locker room, you know, they're all buying in, they're all believing that anything could happen and, and they should. But again, just, just amazing how the NFL works. I wrote this team off last year, and uh, they proved me wrong. They got back into it, got you know finished 10-7 and, and made to the playoffs. So I'm not going to do that again until they are mathematically eliminated. You will not hear me say that. I don't think the playoffs are likely, but I'm not going to sit here and say they're not going to make the playoffs. So anyways... Uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Be on the lookout for another show later this week. It's hey, it's rivalry week, Chargers week. I know a lot of you out there would love nothing better than to play spoiler uh, for the Chargers, who are their season is kind of on the brink. They had a close win this past week, six and five, still outside the playoffs, looking in. Uh, another loss could really derail things for them. So I know Raider fans would love nothing more than to see that. So be on the lookout for that show later in the week. We're going to preview that game. Uh, but in the meantime, everybody take care out there. Uh, and until the next time, I'm Evan Grote. And as always, just win, baby. <laughs>